so I'd like to welcome Venerable Jinpa. And he's mostly been studying Dharma in India, studying Mongol traits in India and France, and uh, how do you look at some of that? So maybe we won't have time to teach us anything here at this church. But if anybody is interested in supporting a meditator who would like to do a home retreat, you can see me or Ponsor this meditator. So I didn't break my words. I told him that I would not say anything about him. So that wasn't me talking. <laughs> for coming here so late. I'm sure you've heard this many times. Well, not many times, but every time. <laughs> <laughs> Same story. <laughs> so I don't have to repeat it. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's get into meditation. So as you are getting into your posture, physically, also get your mind into posture. Know why you are going to meditate, especially this very session. What is the ultimate goal you are seeking? And what is the goal you are seeking with this very session? How is it connected to the ultimate goal? And make sure the posture is conducive to meditation. Check the legs, check the hands, make sure the elbows are not too far, not too <coughs> close to the body. Shoulders are even, relaxed. And the back, the most important part, make sure that it is straight and yet naturally straight, comfortably straight. There's a natural straightness to the back. Find it and stay there. Center your head and neck so you don't need to consciously hold them in place. Have the lips, mouth, teeth, tongue. Simply rest in the natural places so the teeth are not clenched the jaws are not too loose then have the tip of the tongue touching slightly not pressing the back part of the upper teeth and already start to be mindful of the sense of ease that is coming over the body and let the mind rest in that sense of ease Find what is conducive for you as far as the eyes are concerned. It can be opened, closed, or half opened.
and gently bring the awareness to the breath. Do not be concerned about forcing the mind to focus on the breath. Do not be concerned about controlling the breath. Don't even concern yourself about whether or not there are distractions. Don't chase them. Don't try to force them out. Don't pay attention to them. Your only concern is are you aware of the breath? As you breathe out, do you know that you're breathing out? As you breathe in, do you know you're breathing in? Keeping your mindfulness on the breath in this way, have a part of your mind scan the posture, this time to make sure that it is indeed conducive to meditation, that you are not consciously holding any part of the posture in place. And you do that, staying aware of the breath, just as before. Breathing in, know you are breathing in. Breathing out, know you are breathing out. Mindfulness of the sense of ease be your guide or your gauge. As though entering a vessel and it is taking you to deeper levels of meditation. Once you feel a sense of confidence in the posture, and you know you're not holding the posture consciously in place and the sense of ease is getting deeper and deeper go back again to just being aware of the breath breathing out, know you're breathing out breathing in, know you are breathing in follow the continuity of awareness Going from out-breath to in-breath, back to out-breath. And that continuity of awareness from out-breath to out-breath. Have some sense of determination, not strong, not forced, to keep this continuity unbroken. Breathing out, know you're breathing out, follow the out-breath. Be aware of the change to in-breath. Follow the in-breath. Be aware of the change back to out-breath. Follow the out-breath. And simply keep that continuity of awareness unbroken. Following the breath for about 21 cycles or so.
sense of ease. Be mindful of how that sense of ease is now reflected in the very rhythm of the breath. How that sense of ease is reflected also in the very quality of awareness itself. And continue your determination to be aware of the sense of ease. To follow it, to let it take you to deeper levels of meditation. And from within this sense of ease, bring your attention to the space in front of you, about an arm's length or prostration's distance from you the level of your eyebrows as though looking through a mirror, through a window between the eyebrows. And as you're looking in that space, think about the goal that you are seeking, the ultimate goal that you're seeking. Think about the meditation that you're about to do, how it's going to help you get closer to that goal. Ask yourself, when I get to that goal, what was it that was my guarantee? What was my infallible guide? What protected me so perfectly? And as you ask this question, focusing in that space, you start to feel the presence of a bright presence. the very goal that you are seeking, taking form to help you, to guide you to achieve it. Find that measure of conviction that you are indeed in such a presence. No matter what that measure, hold on to it. thinking that you are finally in the very presence of the means through which you will achieve your ultimate goal. Have a sense of reverence and in your mind prostrate. continuing to think, indeed you are in the very presence of what is for you the infallible means to achieve your goal, the guarantee that you will achieve that goal, your teacher, your guide. You have a great sense of gratitude for finally meeting such a, such a being. Out of that sense of gratitude, make offerings. Think of the things that you own that makes you happy and offer them. Think of the things that no one owns, like a landscape, sunset, and offer them. Think of things that exist only in your imagination and offer them.
still holding on to that measure of conviction, feeling the sense of the presence of the teacher in that bright form in front of you, knowing that this is your perfect refuge. Completely entrust yourself, accept the protection, accept the guidance, take a refuge. Strengthen your faith in yourself and in your guide. you are aspiring to achieve, what is blocking you, what has blocked you so far. Take personal responsibility, free your mind of all dysfunctional sense of guilt, admit your faults, admit the actions committed under their influence. Again, take refuge, seeking protection and strength. And according to your own capacity, make a promise of restraint. Think of something to do that would be a makeup activity. Having cleared your conscience in this way, now help refine the mind further through rejoicing. Take great joy in all degrees of goodness, yours and others. Take great joy, rejoice for all measures of merit, yours and others. Rejoice in whatever measure of effort you've invested so far in the path.
again bring your awareness to the sense of ease is it deeper than before is it the same and continue to let whatever level of the sense of ease become your platform for meditation and from within that sense of ease look at all sentient beings look at their conditions and let love and compassion reach out to them embrace them and while holding them in such embrace turn your mind again to the teacher in that bright form in front of you because you're looking at the teacher while holding all beings with such embrace you feel that through the teacher now you see you're in contact with all the nine beings and now that you're in contact with all the nine beings ask them to please teach teach beings how to truly end their pain how to find true happiness this is turning the wheel of the dharma and ask them to stay for whatever length of time it needs it requires for beings to be truly free truly happy that you are about to do review the merit you've gained so far from these preliminaries and dedicate their power to help you succeed with this meditation aspiring to achieve and you wish to be closer <coughs> and you ask the teacher to come to the crown of your head 
instantly feel the presence of the teacher above your head, a bright form above your head. Feeling the rays of the teacher <coughs> infusing your being. Then think of the obstacles you've encountered so far and strongly wish to be free of them. Think of the realizations you seek and strongly wish to realize them. blessings of the teacher. Beg for blessings.
attention back to the breath. Breathing out, know you're breathing out. Breathing in, know you're breathing in. And as you do so, staying aware of the breath, slowly become aware of the body once more. I have four minutes to explain the most <laughs> profound aspect of emptiness. <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> it may just pass you by. As a matter of fact, it might even pass me by. <laughs> uh, so we're doing meditation on wis- wisdom meditation. And for the most part, we've been, we, we, we took a little break. We were talking, uh, doing a lot more on a specific kind of meditation that will facilitate meditating on, on doing wisdom meditation. Okay. It is acquiring a state of meditation where the state of meditation itself has some qualities very similar to the object that is, th- and it's, that's a very misnomer, but just for the sake of meditation you have to have subject and object. Okay. But don't let the word object fool you. Okay. So the object of wisdom. Uh, and it is, it is a meditation where you are accustoming the mind to looking at or, or to have the sense of, of looking at absence. Okay. Uh, so, remember, wisdom meditation is not really doing meditation on, <coughs> us, on something called wisdom. Okay. It is arriving at, at something. And that, that, that conclusion that you arrive at, that's what is, that is the wisdom. Okay? But you don't begin the meditation with holding on to something called wisdom and you try to accustom your mind to it. You begin the meditation actually looking for something completely opposite of wisdom. You're looking, you're looking for, your mind is convinced since <coughs> beginning less time about, the, about what the nature of reality is. And then you're just telling the mind, okay, you're saying this is what the true nature of reality is. Now show it to me. Okay? And then you let the mind show it to you. And of course, since that object that the mind believes to exist, concerning what is the true nature of reality, since it doesn't exist, you end up empty. Okay? So it's not so much emptiness is an object that, you know, that, that is, exists somewhere, and then you look for it, and you find it, and then you try to, you know, of, you know, make it fit into your mind. It is a conclusion that you arrive at looking for something that you absolutely believe exists. Okay. And the psychological effect of finding that this thing doesn't exist, that's what brings about the profound transformation. Okay. You are convinced that the true nature of reality is this way. And then because of that conviction, 
you all your actions were, were, were coming out of that conviction. And since there is something about reality, about your experiencing, that's sort of giving you hints, maybe there's something wrong. There's something wrong going on here. There's something wrong about, about how I approach reality and the kind of uh, feedback I'm getting from what I believe the reality is supposed to be. And because of that, because of that uh, little bell going on in your head, then you start to investigate. And what you're, what you're investigating, you're investigating, okay, this is what I believe the true nature of reality is. Let's investigate reality to see if it fits. Okay. So, you begin the meditation on reality by looking at whatever, by, by looking at any, any, anything that you say you think exists, you believe exists. As a matter of fact, you don't have to search for it. Whatever I say to, your, to, to you, you think that exists. Right? But unfortunately, what is it that is telling you that it exists? It is the ignorant part of ourselves that is telling us that it exists. Since ignorance is what telling us that it exists, then what ignorance is telling us is not in conformity with what really exists. And again, when we come to uh, when we are trying to investigate what is this nature, what is the true nature of reality? When we are trying to investigate this, then we start go to books, we start reading them, we start reading other people's ideas of what it, it is, what they've experienced, and then instead of getting clearer and clearer about what uh, about understanding the true nature of reality, you get confused. Especially when the person who is or the book that is telling you uh, explaining reality is has the claim this is the true nature of this is what the reality is really about, and you read the book. And you hope that by the end, when you, read the, when you read the very last word of the book, you get to understand reality. Mm. But instead, your confusion is, might even be more than when you started. That's a good sign. Okay? If you end up thinking that you completely understand it, that you may have to question that. Okay? And in, in when you're doing this investigation, especially if you come to Buddhism, then you hear these four schools, these four tenets. Okay. The one is the lowest and one is the highest. And of course, when the ego hears one is the highest, the ego says, that's what I understand. I don't understand what, what's wrong with these people. Well, how could they have this kind of understanding about the trinity of reality? Anyway, if, I, if, you were, if you were told the so-called the lowest is the highest, you probably would have been saying, I have no idea what the other people are saying. This is the, actually the true, uh, evidently the true nature of reality. Okay. If the ego is doing this kind of stuff, be careful. Now, it's not so much that what is called the lower school are a bunch of idiots who, 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 you know, who, who had no idea how to investigate things, came up with, came up with, some, some, you know, with some idea that they said, oh, this must be the trinity of reality without any investigation, and then throw it out there. Or maybe they thought, in, maybe, I think in 2009, <laughs> there'd be a lot of people investigating this, let's confuse them. <laughs> Let's throw something out there for them, just so that they can get confused. I don't think that's the that's the thing. If you truly, if when you understand their un, when you understand the what's called lower school uh, presentation of what is the true nature of reality, you will see that it is profound. Okay, it is profound. 
I'm getting, I'm, uh, I think I'm confusing your confusion. <laughs> Wait a minute. I went, to, I went to classes already. I read books. I was, uh, I, it was not, nothing profound about it. Okay. But if you really, really understand it, you will see how profound it is. Okay. And, and it's not so much that it is completely wrong. It's just that it doesn't, it doesn't complete the picture. And now, you are, uh, unfortunately for you, instead of going through the process of really thinking that the lowest way of understanding things is the highest way, and then you were, and then you, and, and once you think you really got it, and you thought that's what things really uh, was about, and your teacher came to you and said, "Oh, by the way, smash that. Here's another one." Okay. And then you go through the process, and then finally, when after 15 years or so, <laughs> then the then the teacher presents to you, "Okay, here it is, Madhyamika." Prasangika. Okay. And then you would investigate it and then maybe you would have a, 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 a nice understanding of what is Madhyamika Prasangika. But unfortunately for us, that's not the process how we, we came to across this thing called Madhyamika Prasangika. You just go to one class for the... F- you never even heard about emptiness. You were never really consciously interested in finding your true nature of reality. All of a sudden you're told, oh, the reason that you're in, you're in trouble, you probably didn't even think you were in trouble, <laughs> So the reason that you're in trouble is because you have ignorance about the true nature of reality. You say, what, really? I never thought about that. And then you are told, okay, this, these are the three wrong ways or the three incomplete ways. Here's the highest way, Madhyamika Prasangika. Okay? And then you go home thinking that you absolutely understand Madhyamika Prasangika. Of course, you go to that class, you know, you start for a whole 45 minutes. You listen to the guy talk, you know, f- you know, from beginning to end, and then he explains my Prasangika. Of course, you understand it. Okay. And then, after your arrogance starts to, well, not arrogance. Okay. <laughs> we can say. <laughs> after your sense of confidence about understanding my Prasangika starts to, you start to really investigate. Start to say, you know, this is how I understand. This is what my Prasangika is about. You start to investigate for, and you start to go. And then, when you, really, when you think that you are uh, truly about to understand it, then you find yourself having completely no understanding what this is about. Now, you're making progress. Okay. Now, you're starting to smash that. Remember, you entered that, that class for the 45 minutes with, with, a, with your arrogance, well, not arrogance, with your ignorance guiding you. When you are listening to the lecture about this is the this is this this is that this is Madhyamika Prasangika, who was listening? It was your ignorance listening. It was your ignorance giving you an understanding of what Madhyamika Prasangika is supposed to mean. Okay, and then now you are truly investigating your understanding. Then you the confusion starts to set in. Of course, it should be confusing. Why shouldn't it be confusing? For countless eons, you've been thinking the reality is this way. And all of a sudden, in 45 minutes, and out of those 45 minutes, maybe five minutes was, de- was, 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 uh, was dedicated when you were told, this is the true understanding, this is the true nature of reality. If, you, if, you, if you're not having experience of confusion, either because you're already an Arya, and, and the teacher was there just to remind you of what you already realized, or you're kidding yourself. This is a, this is a, this is a, a exist, uh, I don't know if that's going to be correct, Correct me if I'm wrong, okay. I'm gonna. This is an existential transformation that's supposed to happen here. 
you're about to transform your existence. Not the five minutes that you are sitting there, you're going to transform into some whatever. You're about to transform your existence. Of course, it's gonna, it, it should be confusing. Of course, it should make no sense whatsoever. If it made sense, you would have been an Aoi already, you would have been a Buddha, you would have been you know, in your paradise already. You wouldn't need to go to that class and listen to that guy and tell you, no, this is Pandebika Rasangika. You probably would have known it as. Never mind. <laughs> okay? So. The complication about the true nature of reality has nothing to do with the true nature of reality. It's our inability to just be simple. It's a very simple thing. When we look, when we experience things, as we are experiencing it, we are, we are drawing a subconscious conclusion about what we are experiencing. We're not fully aware of this subconscious uh, uh, conclusion that we are drawing. It's happening so automatic. Things appear and they exist. And what's wrong with saying, wait a minute, it appears to exist over there, it exists over there. And then this guy is telling you, no, it doesn't exist over there. And you're saying, you're not confused about that? You say, oh yeah, of course, it doesn't, exist, it doesn't exist over there. And you go on carrying on your everyday life that it exists over there. But intellectually, you think that you got it already. Okay. So, this is how we experience things. It exists over there. Okay. It exists a certain way. And this certain way that we believe it exists, that's what we have to clearly see. We have to clearly see how do we think, how do we conclude, how do we say something exists. We have to see it and then analyze that. That's wisdom meditation. And then you, you analyze it with, not with the, with the uh, how do you say, with the prejudice of Madhyamika Prasangika. Ooh, what did he say? He's blaspheming. <laughs> You don't investigate, you know, throwing Madhyamika Prasangika on, on, on your experience. You let the experience present itself to you. You're supposed to arrive at the Madhyamika Prasangika conclusion. You don't begin with it. All you're doing is just reviewing the book. You're not doing meditation. Okay? It's, a, it's, it's supposed to be something, there's a gut feeling is supposed to be accompanying this. There's a gut feeling about this is how things are. And, and it's vivid. It's not some, 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 uh, some conceptual idea about that, that, that you're in, uh, investigating. There's this gut feeling about how things exist. And you bring it to the very... Uh, 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 to the very forefront of, of your mind. And then you investigate with, with this understanding, it exists, I'm going to prove it. With that conviction, you bring that conviction along with it, and you want to prove that it exists. And this is why, uh, when the Buddha said, 
when, when you ask the Buddha, okay, what is the true nature of reality? And then you've been meditating for 20, you know, 50 years, and then so far you haven't found it. And then there's this guy who say, I got the answer for you. And then you go to him, and then you prostrate, and you, you're waiting anxiously. You, you've, you've, you've been meditating, you've mastered all levels of meditation, and you're waiting, okay. What, and you're waiting for something, okay? You're waiting for something. Some beautiful, blissful light or whatever. You're waiting for, for something. And what does he tell you? He's about to tell you the true nature of reality. He say, empty. What's wrong with this guy? I'm came here looking for the, the most important something and it's giving me absolutely nothing. So it's a psychological tool. We are psychologically trapped and we need a psychological tool to free ourselves. We are completely convinced about what the true nature of reality is. And the only way to break that conviction is to directly see that we are wrong. And when you directly see that you're wrong, then you have found wisdom. And it's not a something. It's not like the true nature of reality is this very blue, very beautiful blue light, the most beautiful blue you've ever seen. And no matter how beautiful you can think of a blue, this blue is even more beautiful than that. And you're waiting for that, to see that beautiful blue, that, that gorgeous, incredible blue that you, that you will be blown by. It's not something. So, empty. <laughs> He's saying, Buddha is saying, all you have to do to know what the true nature of reality is, is let go of your ignorance. Empty your mind of your ignorance. And what do you end up with? The Buddha doesn't say anything. And that's why you have 18 schools. <laughs> Because the Buddha didn't say exactly what it is. He just said empty. So, first of all, find the passion as to why you want to know the true nature of reality. If it's an intellectual pursuit, forget it, you're not going to find it. If it's a, something deep, a gut, something pushing you, you're suffering and you want it to end. And your suffering shouldn't necessarily be something personal, like, you know, your arm is, 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 is hurting you. It could be the suffering that you're experiencing because of someone that you're connected with. And you just don't know how to help that person end their suffering. And you want to get to that. To that. And, and, and it's not rocket scientists. When you want to achieve something and you don't know how to achieve it, what do you do? You look for how the knowledge of how to achieve it. There's a, there's a goal you want. You want this to end. So how do you bring it into an end? There's something you have to know. Or maybe there's something you know that you have to get rid of. Okay. So you, in, you begin with that passion. And out of that passion, then you bring your mind face to face, have a gut uh, substantial experience of what you think the true nature of reality is. Just say I and see what, see what comes up. See what feeling comes up, what emotion comes up what sense comes up. Hmm. You say, I, I, I. And then you have that sense, palpable sense of it comes, come, comes up. And then you have the object to analyze. Okay, this is 
what I'm at the gut level feel is, is the I. So where, let's see where it exists. And you have the whole realm of existence to, to investigate, to, help, to look, to search for it. And searching for that, that is the meditation leading to wisdom with the conviction that it exists. And once you, once you arrive at the conclusion, oh, it doesn't exist. If that doesn't scare the bejesus, if that doesn't scare the bejesus <laughs> out of you, you are not doing meditation on wisdom. Okay. Because you just discovered what you, the, the you that you thought exists doesn't exist at all. The, the you that you thought exists doesn't exist at all. And if ignorance is coming, you know, trying to grab the spotlight, trying to say, wait a minute, uh, you don't exist at all. <laughs> you don't exist at all. I mean, that itself is, you know, is comical. Who is saying you don't exist at all? Who just discovered that you don't exist? Okay. So, if ignorance is trying to take that fear and trying to misuse it by making you think that, oh, if you continue this meditation, you're going to go out of existence. You're going to dissolve completely. You're going to not exist at all. You hear me? <laughs> you will enter a state where you are not existing. <laughs> well, I, anyway, I was supposed to make you start meditating on that. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't get into the profound stuff yet. <laughs> That's for next time. <laughs> Again. Okay. Uh, well, I, I didn't have a chance to explain the meditation to you. So, when you arrive at that meditative state, this is what you will be. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. When you arrive at that meditative state, you will be doing that. I, 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 and then feel it. And then when, once it's palpable, then you investigate it. What is it? And when you say what is it, you're looking for an absolute what is it. Okay? What is it absolutely? That is, what is it and nothing else is it but that. I'm getting good at this now, saying that. <laughs> what is it and nothing else is it but that. Okay? Like for example, if the I is the body, that is, the I is nothing else but the body, and nothing else is the body but that I. Okay? That if you were to chop off the arm, for example, the eye should not exist anymore because all these parts make up the eye. Okay? And then within that state you investigate. Okay? And if you're getting scared, that's good. <laughs> if you're getting really scared, maybe stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, if I were to talk about Tutanjimba, I'm not going to talk about him because I promise I will not talk about him. But if I were to talk about him, this is what I would say. <laughs> but I'm not talking about him, I'm just saying, if I were to talk about him, okay, hypothetical. 
uh, we've been on the path together for a very long time. I'm not talking about him, okay? Uh, we've been, you know, been all over the place. Uh, I've never met anyone who was a master teacher as Tukenjimba, as Jacqueline Ito. And he never teaches something that he's not convinced about, no matter what other people may say about it. He may be wrong when he's talking about it, but he's open. <laughs> he's open. I mean, truly open. He's, he's really detached. And one of the things that I'm very grateful for his teaching is a very fundamental teaching. Relationship. The whole path is about relationship. Even if you're seeking personal, personal uh, liberation, the only way for you to get there is strengthening your, your, how you relate with others. And forget about having the idea, I want to achieve full enlightenment so for the sake of all sentient beings. If you don't know how to do this very fundamental thing, how to have a pr correct, proper relationship with others, then forget it. Okay. And that's not something you go, you, you're going to see directly from a book. And once in a while, when I'm thinking about Tukin Jimba, I think, I think that guy is a bodhisattva. I mean, a real bodhisattva. And you know how I really... You know, I would not say that kind of stuff lightly. You know, Bodhisattva is a monumental being. It's not some little, you know, somebody who has sentiments for his mother because his mother took care of him. It's a monumental being who has true compassion, true love. And sometimes I have the suspicion that he's a real, one of those real Bodhisattvas. And if I were, if I were, if I were, <laughs> and if, if my vision was a bit clearer, maybe I would say, maybe he's a fully enlightened Buddha. But my, I have no way of even, <laughs> even conceiving that. <laughs> I'm not talking about him. He's hypothetical. <laughs> I'm not talking about him. Completely I'm not talking about Tukenjimba. I said I'm not talking about him. No. If I were to talk about him, this is what I would say. He's the one who taught me. I'm going to read Because I was working full time. As we're going to the boss, because our teacher is really tough. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to memorize it. So as we're going to the boss, he just repeating with me. And by the time I was in Jersey, so I don't think it's too bad in front of the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so he taught me how to meet today. Taught me to meet today. He also, he also taught me love. Who is still black? Let me get it. Who's that? 
usually I'm in the slow this time. So therefore, I don't really understand what he's saying because he's supposed to be my teacher. <laughs> 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 and also, when I was ready to leave my job to go in the tree, So, um, and I was hoping that uh, Tutin, I was hoping that Tutin Jiba would have been able to lead one of these meditations classes, but unfortunately, I'm so bad at organizing things that uh, we and and he was he got very busy. He thought he was going to be resting coming here. <laughs> he got very busy with this and that. So we weren't able to uh, schedule something. And there's a, uh, and it, it will be in line with the meditation that we're doing on wisdom. Uh, and he it actually has a title for it already. It's called uh, Emptiness Through the Back Door. For you intellectual types. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> it's for more of the intuitive type. And something I've, I've been hearing a lot from people who are more intuitive, who are not, who are not so intellectual, they say, wait a minute, if, if it seems like the only way to get to this is some sort of intellectual method, and I've had no, I had no answer for it. Okay. And, uh, and Tudor Jiba presented uh, something uh, um, where he's called it through the back door, that means without going through the intellectual process, where you can arrive at, at the wisdom, okay, for those who are more of intuitive nature. And I thought it would be very, very, Incredible if he was able to lead some meditation. Uh, are you leaving by next Friday? <laughs> yeah. ah. Well, sorry, that means he has to come back. <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, I'm minus 20 minutes. <laughs> we have minus 20 minutes to meditate, so let's meditate. Reverse time. <laughs> find your posture and immediately you start to feel the sense of ease let the sense of ease take over the posture quickly check to make sure that you're not consciously holding any part of the posture in place 
the legs and hands, elbows and shoulders, the back, head and neck, mouth, teeth, tongue, eyes. sense of ease right before the talk and let your memory of it be so vivid that it infuses the present state. say the words, I am thinking in my heart center. That's enough. Recall the experience you had when the teacher dissolved into your heart center and became one with your mind. So let the mind go to this room Don't hold it back. Whatever that is happening in this room that your mind wishes to go to, let your mind go to it. The walls, what's on the walls, the ceiling, what's on the ceiling, the floor, what's on the floor, the people here, the sounds, whatever is in this room, let your mind go to it. Let your mind have the sense of freedom. your mind also become aware of something that is being pointed to by the very very things that are present here. The absence of traffic, the absence of the outside. And just looking at this absence of traffic noise, cars, absence of commotion, absence of the weather, your mind starts to feel a sense of ease regarding this absence. Let your mind enjoy the sense of ease, the sense of comfort. sense of comfort was brought about looking at the absence. So let your mind find further absences. So the sense of ease, the sense of comfort can be a bit more profound. The mind staying in the room, 
just look at the ground let your mind be free to look at anything on the ground and be aware of the absence that is present in the perception of the ground of the floor the floor has the absence or is empty of walls and ceiling it is empty of people running around it is empty of outside traffic and that sense of comfort is now deeper and more profound let the mind rest in that sense more interested in looking at more absences because of the enticement of that sense of comfort and ease. Now look at purely the space between you and the, and the floor. It is absent of floor, it is empty of walls, ceilings, it is empty of sound, traffic and find that sense of ease in that very perception of this absence. Let your mind dwell in it. And let your mind now look for other absences by looking at the consciousness itself. It is empty of space. It is empty of ground. It is empty of walls, ceiling. It is empty of outside. Now comfort is becoming more and more joyful. The sense of peace is deeper. Now look at the concept nothing. Nothing is empty of consciousness. Nothing itself is empty of space. Floor, walls, ceiling, outside. Stay aware of the sense of elation that is taking place. How the sense of comfort getting deeper and deeper. Now nothing is a concept that the mind is looking at. Now let the mind just rest, not looking at anything whatsoever. Let it just rest. Now it's empty of conceptualizing empty of looking at nothing, empty of consciousness, empty of space, empty of floor, empty of walls, ceiling, empty of outside. Let the mind enjoy the state 
And let this state be the very platform from which you will do your meditation to analyze. And from within that state, just look for I. Just say it to yourself. Say your name. See what gut feeling comes up. Let it become vivid. So vivid as almost as if you can take it and show it to someone. Then ask yourself, what is this? Is it the body? Is it the mind? These are the only two possibilities. Is it something else? There are no other possibilities. And look for it sincerely. When you're looking for it in the body, carry on the conviction that you will find it, that it is the body. When you think it's the mind, carry it with the conviction that it is the mind. When you think it's something else, then what is the other else?
stay within that state. And from within that state, again, embrace all beings. And have a strong wish that whatever problems they are experiencing, they may be free of them. Whatever happiness they seek, may they find it. And may your wishing be so strong, it's as if you are willing it to happen now. To the point where you're willing to have this very meditative state become the very freedom they seek, the very happiness they seek. meditation to the achievement of your ultimate goal. Staying aware of the breath, slowly become aware of the body again. Breathing in, breathing out, be aware of the top of the head, continue until you reach your toes, including more and more of your body with the awareness of the breath. going to talk about him. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, I want to thank you uh, for those of you who have been helping to the Njimba stay in retreat. I want to say I'm profoundly, deeply grateful for all the help that you've done. And uh, I 
hate asking for stuff, but uh, I'm not asking for myself. But I really would like that you continue to help him, so he can show us that he's really a bodhisattva. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Something that he would do. I would never do that. <laughs> I just did that. <laughs> also, uh, uh, just to clarify something, when I said that uh, when Chulajiba would see uh, teach something we call the emptiness of the back door, it's not something that he made up. You know how much of a taboo that is in Buddhism, right? This is a, a personal transmission that he received. And even that, some, that seemed like I'm, you know, advertising. But, but I just wanted to remove from your mind that oh, he made something up while he was out there, you know, doing retreat. No, this is one-on-one teaching, kind of teaching that everybody, you know, would love to to get that he received. Okay. And one day, maybe when he comes back, he might teach us. Mm-hmm. Thank you.